What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I'm joined here today by Derek Tate. You can be found on Twitter at Derek Tate NFL. Our special guest here for today is Mason Dot of Flock Fantasy. Mason, I Derek, I'll come back to you in a second. Mason, how are you today, my friend? It is very good to see you. I, I'm great. I've been waiting all week to come on, talk some rookies. There's probably nothing more fun to do in February than look at the upcoming rookie class. I absolutely love this time of year where we start to get into the dynasty rookie landscape. We start to take a look at and I start to get that itch. I don't know about you fellas, but I start to get that itch of like, oh, I found a sleeper. I found like a player that I really want to get ahead of and maybe get him before the rest of my league finds out. But I got to wait three months before my dynasty rookie drafts. Derek, how are you today, my friend? Oh, I'm excited about this one. Uh, Mason's work is fantastic. I mean, I, I don't know how many mock drafts that, that this man has done over the last two, three years, however long he's been in the industry, but he's been doing it for a long time. And uh, I've caught a lot of them. Great work. Excited to share the mic with him and even get to draft against him. It's kind of cool. A little bit of strategy here, fellas, as we get into a super flex rookie mock draft. Now, we are, again, it's February 1st as we are recording this. We are just dipping our toes into the water. We are not doing a four-round rookie mock draft here or anything like that. We're going one round here just to kind of take a look at the landscape here and start to become familiar with some of these names. So what we're going to do here is, like I said, super flex rookie mock draft. Derek, you are going to have the 101. Mason, you're going to have the 102. And we are just going to bounce our way down the draft board all the way through the first round, 12 picks upcoming here and start to introduce you guys to these players that we are starting to fall in love with as we study the film. So Derek, I'm going to turn this back over to you first. The 101 selection is yours, my friend. There are a couple interesting ways that you could go here. Where are we going at the 101? The 101 in a super flex draft. It's something that I don't really want this year. Now, of course, I want one of the players that's there, but it's a tough decision. And because I love the prospect profile of Marvin Harrison Jr., who doesn't? It's very enticing to acquire a talent like that because we feel like he's going to be one of the next great wide receivers in the NFL. But in a super flex league, we got a pretty darn good quarterback prospect. And I'm going to go ahead and take Caleb Williams. Gives you some of that rushing upside. We saw flashes of absolute brilliance as a passer during his days at USC. I don't want to go too far off, but I mean, he is an elite off script creator. A lot of fun to watch. And if he does end up being a Chicago Bear, like I kind of expect him to, I don't think that that situation is going to be all that terrible. New offensive coordinator and some other draft capital to kind of build and formulate um, a collection of talent to build around Caleb Williams. So I'm, I'm going one on one. I'm going quarterback position. I'm going Caleb. I don't think that anyone is going to fault you here for going quarterback is going Caleb Williams at the 101. Now there is an interesting conversation here though because we look at the, you know, the fantasy landscape and the quarterback position and the priority and, and emphasis on the rushing upside, the ability. And we're going to talk about certainly here later on in this draft Jaden Daniels, the quarterback out of LSU who can absolutely scoot, a player that is going to be able to rack up rushing yardage uh, at a ridiculous pace. Now, Caleb Williams does not bring that to the table. So, is there any sort of, did you give any sort of consideration to potentially going Jaden Daniels, even though from an NFL quarterback prospect, he's not on par, but necessarily from what he can do from a fantasy standpoint, any consideration there to Jaden Daniels at the 101? Of course. There's, last year we had, what, Anthony Richardson, who we all kind of projected as an elite dual threat quarterback, even though he didn't have the lengthy track record uh, that 
you know, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud had as a pure passer, but we, we all saw the physical tools uh, that could translate to a fantasy stud in particular in a super flex format. So sure, there's consideration there with Jaden Daniels because he rushed for over a thousand yards in 2023. And in, in college, you lose yardage because of your sacks. So it's, it's and that goes into your rushing totals. So the, he is dynamic as a dual threat option, but I, I do believe that Caleb Williams is a step ahead of him uh, as far as a pure passing projection heading into the NFL. All right, Mason, you are now up here at the 102. We've got a couple of interesting quarterback prospects still on the board and, of course, some very, very interesting wide receiver prospects as well. Where are you going here at the 102? Yeah, so what I've seen is I've seen that Marvin Harrison Jr. is pretty much turning into like the consensus 102. If you're sitting at three, four, five, probably not getting him. I will say that particularly in a super flex league, I don't agree that Harrison should be the consensus guy at two. I do think you have a strong argument to be made just of the positional value of quarterback. Like if I pull up flockfantasy.com and just get like some market values right now. If you're looking at the amount of quarterbacks that are worth more than the 103 rookie pick, you have nine guys versus wide receiver. You only have about four. So for Marvin Harrison Jr. to really see that step in value, he is truly going to have to be CD Lamb, Jamar Chase, or Justin Jefferson. But with how good he is as a prospect, they more likely than not is going to be that top 10 guy. So even though I don't think he should be consensus 102, I am going to take him here. I mean, if you're looking at him, he was number three in yards per route run this past season. Number four in his dominator rating in the class. Number one touchdown rate. Number two in his targets per route run. This is a player that's only going to be 21 years old at the time of the NFL draft. So he's younger than a lot of these other wide receivers that he was more productive than. And also he was at Ohio State playing alongside another wide receiver that will go round one in the 2025 NFL draft. So if you look at Harrison, he's pretty much younger than almost anybody else in this class, more productive than anybody else in this class, played against the toughest competition compared to anybody else in this class. So he's by far and away the best wide receiver prospect here. Like I said, if he finds himself going to like, the New England Patriots with a horrible landing spot at three. And then one of these other quarterbacks we're about to talk about goes to a great spot. I could see an argument to be made to take someone like Jaden Daniels over him. But for now, I'm taking Marvin Harrison at two. Yeah, you mentioned those market values. And I think that that's something that I did want to spend just a quick second on. Because in a, I think with the top of rookie drafts, you're always balancing that positional need, what you need for your roster versus acquiring talent, right? And so as we look at probably from a grading perspective, if you're just putting... Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and Marvin Harrison Jr. all right up next to one another, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s grading is going to be much higher than those two other players. So from a talent perspective, it leans towards going Marvin Harrison Jr. there, which you did here at the 102. But let me say this, you're, let me say it this way, you're at the top of a draft, you have just one quarterback, you have Kirk Cousins on your dynasty roster, that is your QB1 here. Is that like, what is the line where you're willing to say, okay, the positional need that I have for a quarterback here in a super flex league is going to draw that tie for me to go Drake May, Jaden Daniels over someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm never one to try to adjust too much and deviate from my rankings based off team need, at least in dynasty in particular, when we have all off season to make deals. But I will say like, if yeah, Cousins is the only guy in your roster, a quarterback, you have Marvin Harrison Jr. going to the New England Patriots. And then say all of a sudden you actually get a pretty good landing spot. Drake May or Jaden Daniels goes to Washington at two. Then yeah, 100%. I could see the argument to be made to take that quarterback there. Going right back to what you're talking about with positional scarcity. All right, Derek, let's send it back to you here at the 103. Again, quarterbacks available for you here in a Superflex League at the top of the board. Where are we going? 
I'm a little disappointed that Marvin Harrison Jr. did not fall to me at 103. It's a tragedy. But I will go ahead and and go with Jaden Daniels. And it, certainly the argument can be made for Drake Mace. And some are super high on him. Some think that he, he has a ch- legit chance to be the number one overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. I don't see it that way. I think he's a nice prospect. I see a ceiling that maybe scratches the surface and looks a little similar to that of Justin Herbert. But I do have other questions about him as a prospect. What I don't have questions about, though, is Jaden Daniels' ability to be able to create as a runner. And if, God forbid, he lands in the right landing spot in a with a coach and an offensive staff that knows how to not only utilize his ability to be able to threaten the defense as a runner, but what we saw, the evolution from him as a passer and being able to sustain multiple, you know, and it helps that he had the likes of Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. to throw to uh, in his final season in at LSU, but uh, still a dual threat prospect that I would love to get on my team in a super flex format and feel fully comfortable, even with some great players still on the board. I'm going with Daniels at 103. One of the common comparisons that you will hear, and I don't think that it's a true comparison, but one of the common comparisons that you will hear throughout this pre-draft process is Jaden Daniels to Lamar Jackson. Now, I think that Lamar Jackson personally is one of one, but Derek, I will send this to you what are your thoughts there on that comparison Jaden Daniels to Lamar Jackson I see how some folks can draw that comparison because there was some elite playmaking reps that he put on tape where you just go wow that's different that's special uh and and we saw ourselves doing that with Lamar Jackson you know back when he was a quarterback of Louisville but you know Lamar's been able to do it at the NFL level (laughs) and I don't know if I see Jaden Daniels being that dynamic of an athlete once we he takes that step up in competition but i still think he's going to be a plus level athlete that can certainly give you plenty of production i see the comp i think he's probably i actually have more confidence in him as as a passer entering the nfl on day number one it helps that he had a a couple additional years where he saw a lot of development and growth as a passer at lsu after transferring from arizona state all right, Mason, let's send it to you. 104 here with Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Jaden Daniels all off the board. Where are you thinking here at the 104? Yeah, I think there are really only two options here, pick four. I'm going to go ahead and take the quarterback. I'm going to take Drake May. Right now, he probably is going to go to Washington at two. I understand, obviously, he's nothing close to what Daniel Daniels, Jaden Daniels is as a rusher. But still, nonetheless, I mean, the man had 16 rushing touchdowns over the past two seasons, sitting at about 1,200 rushing yards over the past two years as well. So maybe he's not going out there and being Lamar, being Justin Fields, averaging 60, 70 rushing yards per game, but he could get to 30 rushing yards per game. And that's actually going to give him a relatively high floor from a fantasy perspective and boost his ceiling if he turns out to be a good quarterback, which none of us have any idea if he will be or not. But it is a good landing spot that he would potentially be going to if he were to go to the Washington Commanders at two, just based off what you typically have with those teams that are inside the top three NFL draft picks. Yeah, as you look at that situation here, again, this is very early on in the process of NFL mock drafts and all that sort of stuff. And we know that things will drastically change by the time that we get to the end of April. But if we do foresee that landing spot of Drake May to Washington, you're looking at Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson out of the backfield. Like there are some skill position players there to be able to make life easier on him as he adjusts to the NFL. And like you mentioned, Mason, he does have some rushing ability to his game where he's not going to be this Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, but he can give you those 400, 500 rushing yards per season. That is certainly in the realm of possibilities here for someone like Dre May. I like the pick here at the 104. 105, this is where things get interesting in my opinion. In a Superflex League, 
kind of easy to see that the top four picks were going to be quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison Jr. in some form or fashion. Now we get to the 105 and it feels like things open up here a little bit. Derek, where are you going here? Well, the Bowers that be have left a tight end prospect that I'm absolutely in love with on the board at 105. And as you can certainly make the case that Malik Neighbors needs to be the pick here. I believe that Brock Bowers is the best tight end prospect coming out of college that I've ever seen. Uh, and, I, and I say that, you know, with also acknowledging that Kyle Pitts was a phenomenal prospect. Now, the argument's going to be made. I, I think that the scoring floor is going to be much higher for the wide receiver position, and in particular, an elite prospect like Malik Neighbors. But the ceiling that I see Brock Bowers having is that of a tight end one like in, in the very near future. This kid is special as he's like a running back playing tight end. And he scored five rushing touchdowns during his days at Georgia. That's insane. Uh, his playmaking ability is, is unicornish at that position. And if you can get a prospect like that, that has that type of ceiling that I project could be something from what we saw, like Sam Laporta this year, which was an outlier, but Bowers is a better prospect, and I understand the landing spot will have a role to play in a tight end in their fantasy projection, but I don't see anybody investing that type of top 10 draft capital in Brock Bowers and not utilizing him, but we did see that with Kyle Pitts. But anyway, point is, I'm taking Brock Bowers. Let's go. Yeah, I want to I come back to you, Derek, to talk a little bit more about Brock Bowers specifically, but Mason, I wanted to pick your brain here on positional scarcity, and we talked about that with the quarterback position, Marvin Harrison Jr., but... For fantasy managers that have Sam Laporta, that have the Trey McBride, that have had Travis Kelsey on their rosters for however many years now, that advantage at the tight end position has been crucial. How do you weigh that here going someone like Brock Bowers in a dynasty rookie draft where we don't know how he's going to turn out, but if you can hit, man, that positional scarcity, how do you, how do you balance that? I think an easy way to look at it is asking yourself, would you trade the pick for one of those veterans you just mentioned? So if you think Brock Bowers is worth a selection at pick five, I would ask you, okay, well, we had Sam Laporta just put up the best rookie tight end season literally ever, right? So would you trade pick five for Laporta? Would you trade pick four, pick three? Like where is that line with positional scarcity in terms of tight end? Derek, what are your thoughts there building upon that? Like no, that? it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we know the we know the situation right now with Sam Laporta. I think he's very well set up. And Ben Johnson coming back to the Detroit Lions gives us a little bit more of the, the feel-goods about his role kind of maintaining and staying the same, if not expanding, uh, into 2024. I do think Ben Johnson will be a, an NFL head coach in the near future. But for 2024, certainly the outlook is secure for Sam Laporta. Uh Depending on landing spot, I would consider keeping the 105 and going with Brock Bowers. That's how high I am on him. I, it's a great question, and it definitely makes me think and pause and hesitate. Uh, it would be a little bit more based off of whether or not we get a good landing spot for that 105. But Laporta, uh, in tight end premium, I probably wouldn't part ways with Laporta, though, for the 105. But I know we're just in a, in a super flex league, but... I play in a lot of tight end premium leagues, so the 105 can can vary a little bit as far as its value goes. Yeah, and I think all that does when we're talking about where to slide that in, and that's a great point, Mason, of like, would you trade this 105? Would you trade this 104? It really just goes to show Brock Bowers is in that conversation for a top five dynasty tight end, right? Because if we're talking about Sam Laporta and Trey McBride, if we're talking about would you trade that pick, well, now we're taught we're putting Bowers already into that conversation and the guy hasn't even played a snap. That's how special of a prospect he is coming out. That's why he's in consideration here at the 105. Mason, I'll send it back to you at the 106. Where are you going here? 
Um, I think it's super easy. I'm going to go ahead and take Malik Neighbors. I think Neighbors steps in and immediately is a top 10 wide receiver in Dynasty. The man's the youngest wide receiver in this draft class, only going to be 20 years old when he's drafted. He was fourth in his targets per route run, first in his yards per route run, first in his yards per team pass attempt, and first among the wide receiver position in PFF grade as well. And we have to consider the fact that these production metrics are impacted by him playing alongside Brian Thomas Jr., another wide receiver that's going to go around one of the NFL drafts. So he had serious target competition. And like I said, he's the youngest wide receiver in the class. So you're looking at the youngest, most productive player that was playing on an LSU roster that had a ton of competition. Number one PFF grade, Daniel Jeremiah has him as a top 10 player as well. So I, I'm very confident in taking Malik Neighbors. I don't think he makes it outside the top six, seven NFL draft picks. Where does he slide? Derek and I were talking about this off camera yesterday. It was a fun conversation. We'll pick it up here at some point. But we're talking about where does Malik Neighbors slide for you in comparison to Marvin Harrison Jr.? Obviously, we saw Harrison Jr. go off the board at the 102. Now Malik Neighbors at the 106. But as far as tiering and putting these players into comparison with one another at their respective positions, where does he slide for you? So on the Dynasty Football Flock YouTube channel, I literally just put out a video that's the wide receiver tier rankings. And it was the first time that I think I've ever done this, but the first three guys are all in their own tier, at least in my mind. I, I go Marvin Harrison Jr. at his own tier. I don't really think, depending on landing spot, that these guys are going to change. Like, even worst case scenario, Harrison goes to New England. Best case scenario, Neighbors goes to the Chargers. I still could see an argument to be made to take Harrison over Neighbors. I think Neighbors is at two. I don't think anybody's jumping in regardless of landing spot. I think Rome, someone we'll talk about in just one second, is going to be at three. And I don't really see that changing, so... I personally have them all in their own respective tiers. And then we get a little bit more into the subjective categories. But I think that you're looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. being a borderline top five dynasty wide receiver day one. And I think you're looking at neighbors being a top 10 guy. And still saying that they're in their separate tiers. You just heard that that's top five dynasty wide receiver and top 10. These are still fantastic wide receiver yeah. prospects coming into the NFL. Derek, I wanted to get your thoughts here on neighbors really quick before we move on to your next pick at the 107. Yeah, sudden, like you blink and he's gone. He is such a smooth operator. And you, the numbers and the metrics, and Mason does such a great job with um, his prospect profiles and the way that he kind of builds out his like prospect model. Like I, I, I've been enjoying that content for a long time. So please go check out, <laughs> check out all of his content. Uh, but the way that, you know, he checks all of those boxes and you, we didn't even mention he was productive uh, in 2022 and Keyshawn Boutte was also there. We also once upon a time thought he was going to be a, a, a pretty darn good prospect in his own right out of, out of LSU. So the target competition was there dominating at a young age, young breakout age. Uh, he, he, he checks all the boxes. And I do think it's an interesting conversation if Marvin Harrison Jr. goes to New England and Malik Neighbors is set up with Justin Herbert for the foreseeable future. That certainly is an interesting conversation because I do have him really close as far as, you know, pure prospects. I do have Harrison Jr. ahead of him, but it's not that huge of a gap to me to where if the landing spot is that favorable, it certainly would make it a lot tougher decision and maybe not as cut and dry because Neighbors is that special as 
on all three levels of the football field. You just get the ball in his hands and the man can create. Yeah, and it, on top of the athleticism, the refined route running nuance and release, you know, at the line of scrimmage for a player that young shows that the arrow is pointing significantly, significantly up for him coming into the NFL draft. If I'm sitting there at the 106 and I get Malik Neighbors in a Superflex League, I am absolutely ecstatic. Let's go to the 107 here. Derek, you're on the clock. I know I did Mason a favor by reaching on the best tight end prospect I've ever seen at 105. Anyway, so, uh, and Mason's also correct. Uh, this time I'm not going to make the mistake and I'm not going to pass on the receiver because I do think that there's, you can either lump Romo Dunze in with Malik Neighbors or you can have them in their three individual tiers, but I do have it one, two, three, and at three is Romo Dunze. Um, four years in college, but it's hard to really say that he played four years because he only played four games in a 2020 year that was weird with COVID. Um, you know, obviously kind of broke out when Michael Penix Jr. became the quarterback there for the Huskies. And he was competing with not just one, but two other players that are going to be NFL draft picks in McMillan and uh, Jalen Polk entering the NFL. And Odunze was fantastic last season so i have all the confidence in the world that this guy even though he's maybe not on the top tier with the top two guys he's pretty darn close and uh i love getting odunze at 107 yeah the comparisons of amari cooper right the this bigger wide receiver that has the alignment versatility that can play at all three levels i think it's absolutely there and again we're talking about the depth of this class where we can get a player like Romo Dunze at the 107 it's really, really exciting upcoming 2024 NFL draft class. Mason, let's send it back to you here at the 108. You've got, again, the positional value of some quarterbacks. There are some other quarterbacks here in this draft class we're talking about. But again, a very, very deep wide receiver class. Where are you thinking here at the 108? This is where my mind, it kind of turns into the wild, wild west. Yeah. I, I think you can go get your guy. I think a lot is going to be dictated based on the combine and the NFL draft from this point. As of now, I'm going to go Brian Thomas Jr. We're going to stay with the LLC wide receivers. I mean, if you look at Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is one of the better NFL insiders at predicting where these guys are actually going to go in the NFL draft, right now he's 15th on his big board. This is a wide receiver that, of course, the metric profile doesn't look that great because you're playing alongside Malik Neighbors. So we can sit here and say, oh, 2.61 yards per route run. That's kind of middle of the road if you're looking at a lot of these guys in this class. But at the same time, very similar to LSU wide receivers we've seen in the past. Odell, Jarvis Landry, we can go to Clemson guys with, I mean, Hopkins. What? There are so many different examples that we have of two elite wide receivers being on the same collegiate offense and how it's going to impact their metric profiles. So I think I'm going to trust the film guys here and say, okay, if Brian Thomas Jr. gets this kind of NFL draft capital, he's an early declare. I, I mean, he had tough competition going up against one of the better wide receiver prospects we've seen over the past five years. I, I'm in on Brian Thomas Jr., but... From this point on, like I said, I do think it can change a lot. Yeah, and you, I mean, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, right? LSU, like the yeah. these two wide receivers that produced, uh, you know, similar numbers and, and similar production there, obviously, and ridiculous here with Joe Burrow as the quarterback, but we've seen, obviously, that these two guys are the top two wide receivers in dynasty rankings, like they, and they came from the same collegiate offense they produced. It can happen here with Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors, both coming out of LSU. LSU making a case for wide receiver you. Derek, let's send it back to you here at the 109. Are you thinking quarterback here? No, I'm not. Um, right at the 107, I feel like there's a, 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 a you know, canyon-sized gap tier, right? You go from Odunze down to Brian Thomas, but I'm also really happy to get Troy Franklin here. Um, sons of Troy, let's do this. Uh, no, three years of production, um, and then, you know, he kind of got better every single year. You know, I, sure, I have some play strength 
concerns, but as far as a prospect profile uh, and what he what he does on tape and what he did on the field and produced uh, in, in the Pac-12, it's there's some special to his game. He's kind of unicornish as far as his like foot quickness and fluidity for a guy his size, and he can absolutely blow the top off of any defense. So you get him in the right situation, and if he gets that first-round draft capital, I could see Troy Franklin coming in and being very, very, very productive in his first NFL season. So uh, he's a prospect that I love. And in in last year's draft class, I think that you would have made the case that maybe Franklin would have been lumped in right around where Jackson Smith and Jigbo was last year, which he was at the top of my board. So this is how deep this wide receiver class is, is the wide receiver five or four is somebody that I'm absolutely love and want to get on my team. All right. So Troy Franklin off the top of my head, six foot three, 187 pounds, but can absolutely fly. I'm going to set this over under here i'm going to have you look into your crystal ball here at the nfl combine i'm going to set the over under at four three five 40 yard dash does he go under that as far as faster does he go over it as far as slower four three five i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go under i think he's gonna be a little bit faster than that i mean you, you see some of the you know on field you know next gen type of numbers as far as miles per hour go and franklin was one of the fastest players in all of college football so uh, he the play speed is there and I think it's going to translate to great combine numbers yeah I think watching him briefly have not done a full tape dive but watching him you can see shades of Jalen Waddle's speed like as far like what he can do as far as acceleration and speed on the open field you can see that here with Troy Franklin going off the board here at the 109 all right Mason back to you at the 110 where are you thinking here I'm gonna take someone assuming he gets round one NFL draft capital if he falls he is going to plummet in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. We'll swing with Bo Nix. Now, I have no idea how to evaluate these quarterbacks at the very bottom end where we're looking at, say, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy. Going back to what I was talking about, Daniel Jemai just put out his top 50 big board. I think this is very predictive of what we should expect in the NFL draft, or at least one of the better resources that we have right now. Obviously not perfect. And if you are looking at Bo Nix, I mean, I don't want to overstate this, but he does have rushing upside, right? I mean, 510 rushing yards two years ago at Oregon, 14 rushing touchdowns. I mean, over the past, I guess, a million years that he's been playing in college, <laughs> we've had seven, seven, four, 14, and six rushing touchdowns. So if he does find round one NFL draft capital, maybe you're looking at like a Will Levis type situation where if the quarterback fails in front of him, he gets a shot. We can see if he fails or not. I have no idea if he will, but if he succeeds, maybe you are looking at 20 rushing yards per game added in and also getting six rushing touchdowns a season. Yeah, it's all about with these, with these, I would say, you know, third or fourth tier quarterbacks, however you want to classify and put those quarterbacks, you know, above Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May. However you want to put these next guys, you mentioned those names, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback out of Michigan, Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback out of Washington, and then Bo Nix um, out of Oregon. However you want to classify those, it's the the positional value of the quarterback in a super flex league versus the value and depth at the wide receiver position. And for those who are very astute listeners and viewers of this podcast, you've noticed no running backs have gone off the board here yet in this mock draft either. So that is going to be, where do you take that chance? And I think that draft capital, you mentioned that Mason draft capital is going to be the biggest factor here. Whoever gets drafted first is going to be that guy who slides here in at the 110. Otherwise, then other, after that, you're kind of taking chances here as we find out the draft capital for the other quarterbacks in this class. Derek, back to you at the 111. You are making your final selection of this mock draft, my friend. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to go to Austin, Texas, and I'm going to take a wide receiver that 
I just, he pops on tape. And, and I'm going to trust my eyes when it comes to him because as far as his production goes, he started his career at Georgia. First two years, won two national championships, but was had very little to no impact uh, on the Georgia offense. And, you know, he got outplayed or saw fewer <laughs> reps than Ladd McConkie. But Adonai Mitchell, uh, and I like Xavier Worthy. I think he's a, a very nice, um, you know, explosive prospect. But Adonai Mitchell is just a smooth operator. And even in his breakout year, uh, obviously Mason knows all about this. You, you're competing with targets for with Xavier Worthy and Jatavion Sanders in, in a pretty explosive Texas offense. Uh, but there's just there's a lot of things in, in an early declare for Adonai Mitchell and, and what, how he's able to separate and create separation on tape with his route running is something that excites me a lot about his transition to the national football league so with my final pick i'm gonna go with adonai mitchell and just a cool name too when we talked about in last year's class like it was you were missing that true x receiver right you had guys like zay flowers and tank dell like it was just slot receiver and smaller receiver through and through you didn't have this big bodied wide receiver Romo Dunze, 6'3", Malik Neighbors, 6'1", Marvin Harrison Jr., 6'4", Brian Thomas Jr., 6'4", Troy Franklin, 6'3", Adonai Mitchell at 6'3", or 6'4". Like, the size and the big prototypical X receivers here are in this class, and you're getting athleticism to go with it, too. I don't think Adonai Mitchell is a refined prospect by any means, but what he can do and the, the potential is absolutely worth taking here at the 111. Mason, you are on the clock here at the 112 for your final selection. Where are you thinking? Do you want to play a game before I make this pick? I, I want to ask y'all. We have about 10 creators on the site. Where do you think the average ranking is for the first running back in this class, in a super flex draft in particular? I would say probably at the 2-4 is probably where I'm thinking. So 16 overall. I was going to say 2-6, maybe even 18. Uh, y'all are right on the um, other ends. We're at 17 until you get to Jonathan Brooks. So wow. just as a disclaimer, if you're just now stepping in here, if you need a running back, in this draft class, you're probably not getting one. I'd right. probably look to trade your late first if you want to go get someone like James Cook. But here at the 112, take a shot, take Keon Coleman. Looks like he has a good chance to get round one NFL draft capital. The production metrics, nothing special, right? I, I can't come out here and make a Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors type argument. But I can say is, okay, he goes round one in the NFL draft. He's only been 20 years old at the time that he is drafted. Obviously, he played alongside another NFL talent there as well. Johnny Wilson going to be 23 years old. So Wilson was actually more productive between the two. But obviously, apples and oranges, really going to 20-year-old kid versus 23-year-old man. So I'm going to be betting on the NFL draft capital here, assuming that Keon Coleman is able to continue to develop and it'll take a shot at 12. Yeah, and again, it continues that trend of you've got size, you've got contested catchability here, you've got the ability to go up and high point the football. You have that in this class. Keon Coleman has the ability to make some highlight real catches, man. What he can do with the ball in his vicinity is absolutely incredible. So Keon Coleman here, worth the upside shot. And again, like the we didn't talk about Xavier Worthy, right, landing here within the first round. Like, there are some, Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina, there are some very, very talented wide receivers that you are still going to be able to get here past the first round of your Superflex mock drafts. And two, Michael Penix Jr., J.J. McCarthy, if they get the draft capital, they're also not here within the first round. And you can get some valuable quarterback depth as well. It's a really, really exciting class. But as Mason mentioned, no running backs here worth discussing within the first round. So if you're in need of running back here this next year, you might be looking to leverage one of that, that 108, 109. Go get yourself a 
talented, proven veteran running back here because you're not going to get it in this upcoming NFL draft. All right, Mason, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to jump onto the podcast here, run through a one-round Superflex rookie mock draft. What do you got going on here this offseason that people need to know about? Where can they find and follow you on social media? Um, I'd say the only thing that matters is Dynasty Football Flock on YouTube. And also, we're going to ton on flogfantasy.com, obviously, if you're catching me here. I understand you don't want to go out there and buy anything, but we have some really cool community rankings on flogfantasy.com. They give you a great sense of what the overall dynasty community is valuing these picks and these players at. So I definitely check that out whenever you get a chance. If you're ever wondering about a pick, wondering about a trade, et cetera. All right. And if you are watching here, make sure that you are liking this video on YouTube, youtube.com slash at PFN fantasy hit the subscribe button and of course click the bell to get notified for when our new content drops all right for mason dodd and Derek tate i'm kyle yates thanks for watching and we'll see you next time